0: And Airbnb, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Do you want a really sad stat? In 2022 every single WCW career is dead. Now this is because the company is no longer around, but a fact is a fact. There are some fascinating stories when you do get into it though, especially with these 10 people. So here's 10 precise moments when WCW careers and 10, the Giant. It seemed inevitable that eventually Vince McMahon was going to go after Paul White. We all know how he feels about giants, and he had actually said to people, "Hey, pal, when I get that dude into my company, I'm not going to use him like they did in WCW. I've got a much better plan." Now we can get into that probably on a different video. The jump did happen in February 1999 where he appeared at the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. And if you had been watching Nitro the month before this, you could probably see the writing on the wall. Because from nowhere, Hulk Hogan just said, listen, NWO, I know like there's a lot of people in this group, but there can only be one giant. So later on, we are gonna do Kevin Nash versus the giant. Kevin as soon as we were done too, the New World Order jumped the future big show and Scott Hall even tased him with a taser and once again, just go look how White sells this. I don't really think he was that bothered because he knew he was out the door. The worst part about all of it though is that this just came so out of nowhere and was never explained. WCW did a lot in 1999. We've talked about it before. We don't need to do it again, but I'm Scott Hall. Scott Hall mostly struggled in WCW, mostly down to his long documented personal issues. And this is such a shame because do not forget when he arrived and debuted in 1996, he quite literally changed the game Everybody was looking around going, well, why the hell is he here? Four years later, he was main eventing Super Bowl 2000. And it's just a little bit sad. He is taking on Sid, who gives him a powerbomb to win. And it ain't a very good powerbomb either. And Roddy Rowdy Piper was a special guest referee who counts the one, two, three. But when this was done and Scott walked his way back to the dressing room, little do we know... We were never going to see him in a world championship wrestling ring again. The crowd aren't into it either, which makes it doubly upsetting, so if you ever do want to go through Scott Hall's career, you can just forget about all of this stuff and go find his amazing moments instead. Great right? DDP! Greed in March 2001 was WCW's last ever pay-per-view. They were about to be bought out by one Vincent Kennedy McMahon, so they decided to go out there. One last hurrah. It also saw Scott Steiner taking on DDP, and clearly somebody had gone, well, I'd tell you what was a good finish, WrestleMania 13 when Bret Hart took on Stone Cold Steve Austin, so why don't we just repeat that? And before you go, oh my gosh, that sounds absolutely terrible, you would be incorrect, and it was quite literally bloody brilliant. Because when Scott locked in the Steiner recliner onto Diamond Dallas plate, who did have the red stuff coming from his head, and eventually passed out, Once again, you just looked at it and you were like, wow, Dallas, what a hero he is. I want to root for him. This was such an excellent match and actually showed that maybe, just maybe, there was still life in WCW. But given that a few days later, we had the last ever Nitro and DDP wasn't on that show, this was it for him. He was done. So I suppose in many ways, maybe Paige was already negotiating with the then WWF at this stage because we know that he was going to make the jump early. The less said about that the better, the 7 Chris Benoit. The last thing Chris Benoit did under WCW employment was to win the World Heavyweight Championship. I mean that's kind of something. This was a Hail Mary by WCW because they knew that Chris wanted to leave so had decided well if we make him the champion and give him that big gold belt there's no way that he would exit. And then Chris Benoit won it and 24 hours later went to Nitro, handed it to them and said, yeah, I won't be on the television, I'm going home. That really did happen too. So he was victorious, at sold out in 2000. And then 24 hours later, Arne Anderson, who had been the special guest referee, had to walk down and go, oh, silly me. I didn't notice that Sid's foot was under the bottom rope. So now the championship is vacant and we'll have to have a tournament to figure it out. This was awful. It was so bad. It was drowning in politics. And once again was just another way to say WCW was not long for this world. Number six, Steve Austin. Given what he would go on to do, it is kind of crazy that Steve Austin had no WCW send-off. And look. I get that he wasn't stone cold at this point, but he was still a recognizable name. He had been in WCW for ages and he had won flubbing championships. For your trivia odds, his last match came in May 1995 when he took on Eddie Jackie in a match that only lasted one minute. And there's still this rumor out there that soon after he just walked out on WCW when they told him he was going to have to lose to the Renegade. Now, if you don't know who the Renegade was, he was WCW's version of the Ultimate Warrior... And yes, it was terrible. Steve also injured his tricep around this time. So given that they were at odds with each other, and when Eric Bischoff gave him a call to talk to him, he apparently heard Austin in the background going, I don't want to talk to that son of a bitch. They fired him. That's right. They faxed him his walking papers when he was rehabbing the fact that he was hurt. And as you know, for a good old while, there was a lot of bad blood. If you weren't watching on TV though, and you were used to stunning Steve Austin, one day he just wasn't there anymore. Pack your bags with high quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to slash trip for free shipping and 365 day returns. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Five, Eric Bischoff. And speaking of the boss he got booted off TV too. If you do want to know all the details, make sure you Google everything that happened between Eric Bischoff and Vince Rousseau. But the headlines are... They just all acted like children, and it sounded absolutely ridiculous. It eventually ended with an angle where WCW's Millionaires Club were taking on the new blood, and any long-term fan was able to figure out this was just a rehash of the WCW versus the NWO, and by 2000, we had run that into the ground. You could see the Bischoff had had enough by this stage, and after it had come to a massive head backstage with Mr. Russo, we saw him on television, he was all like, man, I can't believe DDP's not here anymore. And that was it. Poof! He only ever appeared via other people talking about him. And when the next year would roll around, WCW was gone. This did all tie into the fact that the promotion was having a terrible time and the finger of blame had been pointed at him. But never underestimate how crazy this was. He had been such an integral part. And that's Dan that, before Goldberg. So this was just awful. Another terrible decision by WCW, despite the fact that Goldberg had basically propped up the company in 1998. I mean, you go through that 12 months and imagine that Bill isn't around, what the flub would they have done? I mean, they turned him heel in 2000 before realizing, realised, oh, no, nope, <laughs> that's not going to work. So they hit the whoops button and then desperately tried to turn him back babyface, including at the Sin 2001 view where they teamed him up with Sergeant Dwayne Bruce and put Goldberg's career on the line. Everybody, of course, just shrugged their shoulders and said, okay, yeah, we're doing that, whatever. But when Lex Luger pinned him, <laughs> apparently Goldberg's career was done. Now, WCW never lived up to any of their stipulations, so he obviously was gonna come back at one point. But again, you already know what happened in this year. So that was it for Goldberg. Lex Luger pinned him and he was done. I mean, seriously, what an awful way to go out for one of your biggest ever stars. Number three, Bret Hart. The reason this sucks so much is that when Bret left the WWF in 1997, it was terrible. And when Bret Hart left the WCW, It was also terrible. So I tell you, this man never got the respect that he deserved. Do go and find the September 2000 promo. He did indeed cut on Bill Goldberg and Scott Steiner, though, because it will make you go, holy crap, the hitman has fire in his balls. I mean, he is talking about the fact that the previous year, Goldberg had to retire him. And if you were a fan like me, you were rubbing your hands together because you assumed something big was on the line. Instead, though, he was never seen again. In October, management terminated his contract because they didn't think he was living up to his end of the deal because of course he was going through a lot of health stuff, and I will never be able to accept that, I will never be able to get my head around it, Bret the Hitman Hart just let go like he was nothing, as opposed to the best of all time to Hulk Hogan, talking of bad, my word. Now we all remember everything that happened at the Bash of the Beach 2000 when Jeff Jarrett, Hulk Hogan and Vince Russo had that thing, that was just offensive. And it did end somehow with the Hulkster being the world champion and walking out of the place. What we all forget though, is that we did see him one last time on this show. and As it turned out, it would be the last time we ever saw him in WCW. But listen to this. He was walking backstage without the belt that had magically vanished, which just summed up WCW. And he walked past Vampiro and they looked at each other. So, okay, maybe we're teasing something here. Maybe we're gonna do Vampiro versus Hogan. But no, they just (laughs) both walked out the frame. And Hulk Hogan never returned to WCW. I mean, where was he going? Did he hate Vampiro? Did he need the toilet? We're never going to know. Before long, too, Hulk would be suing World Championship Wrestling. And Honestly, if you're bored today, just Google this one as well, and you will feel miles more mature than everybody involved. Number one, Chris Jericho. One of the biggest jumps during the Attitude Era from WCW to the WWF was Chris Jericho in 1999, Although if you were in the know of the late 90s, this did not come as a big surprise because WCW had something with Chris Jericho and decided to do nothing with him. While his official last match happened on a house show in July, his last match on Nitro was a defeat to Booker T. And in between all that, WCW executives just rubbed their non-existent beards and were like, well, we know he's leaving, but we kind of feel like we should do something with him but we don't really know what to do. The answer was to put Jericho on commentary alongside Tony Schiavone as they tested running pay-per-views on WCW.com, which actually means the last time a fan saw Chris Jericho on WCW TV was when he was commentating on Sting versus Ricky Steamboat. So seriously, man, people wonder why did Chris Jericho want to go? It's because there was this glass ceiling in WCW and he knew he was never breaking